everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to High Five Success Stories, where I interview women from all different backgrounds who can offer advice and inspiration to millennial gals. I hope you enjoy and have a great day. Hi, everybody. Really excited to share my conversation with my friend, Laura Vanderkam, and special thanks to my older sister, Mandy, for connecting us. Laura currently lives right outside Philadelphia, where I'm from, with her husband and four young children. They're 10, 8, 6, and 3. She's a super mom. Laura is the author of several time management and productivity books, including I Know How She Does It, How the Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think. And all of Laura's books will be included in my show notes you guys can easily access them there. So Laura's work has appeared in countless publications including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, USA Today, Reader's Digest, and many more. Laura has appeared on numerous television programs including the Today Show, Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, hundreds of radio segments, and has spoken about time, money, productivity to audiences of all sizes. She even did a TED Talk that had 6 million views. Oh, and Laura launched a podcast a few months ago around the same time as me. It's called The Best of Both Worlds where she and her co-host Sarah Hart Unger, who is a physician and also a mom, discuss work-life balance, career development, parenting, time management, productivity, and making time for fun. They had Gretchen Rubin as a guest a couple weeks ago, and Gretchen has written several New York Times bestsellers, so if you guys get the chance, definitely check out their podcast. So throughout our conversation, I really loved Laura's humbleness, her perseverance during setbacks, and her passion for what she does. Really excited for you guys to listen. Hope you guys enjoy. So welcome, Laura, to High Five Success Stories. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited to have you. You're my very first author. Oh, exciting. So I'm excited to learn all about it. And you also are my first person I met that has a podcast, which is called um, um, Best, Best of Only Again. Best, Best of, of Worlds. Okay, yeah. got it. And what do you guys focus on? Just so you can do so, a little ad for your oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Please, all your listeners, <laughs> yeah. come, come check us out at Best of Both Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so my co-host, Sarah Hart Unger, and I talk about work and family from the perspective of um, women in particular who love their careers and love their families, too. Okay. That it's not posed as there being any conflict, really, between the two. And so we talk about... Um, how we manage our schedules, what you know we do for fun with the kids, our husbands, um, you know, career advancement, childcare, all those topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've gotten a chance to listen to a couple of them, and they were very good, especially the one Gretchen Rubin, who's yes. big time. You had her as a guest. I had her as a guest. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, so that was really cool. So if you guys get a chance, definitely um, tune in. But And also so the audience knows how we know each other, my sister Mandy, I have to give a shout out, Mandy McConnell. Oh, Mandy. <laughs> connected us. Um, you guys know each other through church, and then um, did your youngest go to Weatherall? All, all of my kids have gone to oh, Weatherall. they did? Okay. Um, so there's a preschool in our area that mm-hmm. uh, Mandy has been involved with. So it's, uh, yep, she's, uh, I know her through that, <laughs> know her through church. And she's like, you should meet my sister. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. She kept are. telling me about it. And we both run, so <laughs> it's a good match. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I thought we'd start out by having you um, provide us with a little bit of background sort of on you know, where you went to school and how you landed in the, um, would you call it the writing industry? Like, what I you guess. Call it? uh, it's funny because I feel like my business model has been shifting a lot lately. I mean, the books are constant. I really love writing books. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do with the rest of my time has kind of evolved from writing articles mm-hmm. from various places um, to uh, 
public speaking. Right. Almost okay. purely public speaking as the, the rest of my business. Got it. Um, and, and that's really happened over the last two or three years. So that's been kind of an interesting shift in my mindset of like, what is my job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I've been writing forever. I always loved to write growing up. Um, and after college, I worked at USA Today for a year. And uh, during that time, began writing columns for them. Uh, came out of that, moved to New York City, thought I'd just do the writing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd always been writing for various places just to make money on the side, and so that's so what, what I kept places doing. were they again? Like USA um, Today and yeah, so okay. I wrote USA Today. I mean, just random magazines like Reader's Digest for mm-hmm. a while. Um, there's lots of women's magazines out there. There's online properties. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just a ton. Of, I've you know had various uh, gigs that have gone on for a while. I you know wrote for Fast Company's website for several years. Um, Scientific American I wrote for for several years. And, you know, so these, that was a great way to sort of get writing experience. And I, I ghost wrote several books mm-hmm. um, that that's a way to um, get paid for writing. And right. then over time, you know, decided to start writing my own stuff. And okay. That's how I came to that. So, how old were you when you started making decisions to write your own, your um, own books? So, well, my first. Um, and you were in New York at I was that in time? New York, yeah. Okay. No, I wrote my first book on my own when I was 27, I think. Okay. Um, it didn't do very well. We can talk about that with okay. the setbacks <laughs> later. But, uh, you know, then the time management started a few years after that. Okay. So it so takes that a while to find a topic that you really like and that, that other really like. people will respond to. Right, right, right. Okay. And we can talk about the first book now, too. So I think that's a good way to kind of lead into it. Because I think a lot of my listeners are at that age, see me, like 27, yeah. 30, where they're trying to figure things out and trying new things. So I think it would be a good story to hear about, um, you know, what that was like to well, write the first book. Yeah, I wrote a career book that was aimed at young people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I interviewed a ton of people, um, particularly young people who were doing their own entrepreneurial thing. Okay. Um, and, and not necessarily from the perspective of, like, starting Google mm-hmm. out of college or Facebook or anything like that, but... From the perspective, like, there's lots of ways you can make money as mm-hmm. a young person doing what you love. And so okay. the idea is that you don't actually have to sort of climb your way up the corporate ladder for years and years and then go out on your own. You okay. can do it first. And, right. in fact, there's some real benefits to doing it first because mm-hmm. you learn lots of skills. Um, you find out what you really like. I mean, if it goes great, awesome. But if it doesn't, like, you're still really young. Like, right. you can go start over and exactly. it's no big deal in a way that it is a big deal if mm-hmm. you're, like, 45 and have kids and all that. So, right. um, that, you know, I, I maintain that it was a great idea. Yeah. But um, I knew nothing about book promotion and how okay. to sort of build an audience, how to get a community of people engaged with a book. So there were a variety of things that happened at the publisher. Like I'd had three different editors, so okay. nobody cared about the book by the time I was done with it. Right. Um, and, and so a variety of things happened like that. And, you know, it turns out that there's a lot you have to personally do to build up your audience mm-hmm. for a, a book. Um, so it was a very good learning experience for that yeah. because then by the time I um, went to a different publisher and was writing about a different topic, I had more experience with this and I could build up my own audience, which is what I've pretty much spent the past 10 years doing right. is, is trying to engage that audience and keep them with me. Okay, got it. So which book was the first one where it was sort of like an aha moment where you kind of knew that um, you were going to go forward and write more books too? Well, I knew um, writing this first book is called Grind Hopping, by the way, like you're okay. hopping out of the grind. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why nobody else did. I would ponder that for a long time. But uh, 
you know, I knew it was what I wanted to do, but then yeah. it was a question of like, well, how can I position myself for something that is marketable that yeah. I want to write as right. well? Uh, and, you know, I was trying to write fiction on the side as well, and, you know, some of that was going okay and some was not. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a long process to uh, figure out what you can do that the world also wants to okay. consume. Right. So what was your next book after that? So, um, 168 Hours was my next book. Which is awesome. Thank you very much. I was just in the uh, midst of reading it this week. I'm almost done. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So, 168 Hours is the number of hours in a week. And it Mm -hmm. took me quite a bit of time to get a contract for that book, partly because of the sort of slow sales of the previous one. Mm -hmm. So, I wound up with a different publisher, um, kind of had to start from zero, um, you know, went through a variety of different angles before we landed on this one. And once, you know, you write one book on a topic, it, you can sort of become known for that. And I, okay. I, I even after that, though, um, sales of that one were, were slightly slow out of the gate. I got a lot of great publicity for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it turns out that even great publicity is not always a, right. a surefire thing. Um, and what year was that? So that came out in 2010. Okay, got it. And then I... Wrote a book on money um, okay. that also no one's ever heard of. Uh, it's called All the Money in the World. Um, there are other books by that title, maybe the ones you've heard of. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> All the Money in the World came out in early 2012. Um, and, you know, it, I had built more of an audience, but it was like I wasn't as interested in the topic. And, like, right. you, you can you can feel that. But in the course of writing that, I had written this short ebook. Um, it was called "What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast." Right, and, and we'll talk about these books too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, um, you know, that came out shortly after "All the Money in the World," and it's just like, for whatever reason, that got so much more traction and so much more. Uh, velocity behind it and I listened to it this I listened to an audio this audio week book, and it was yeah. awesome it oh, kind of changed yeah. my whole perspective yeah. on mornings but then once that I had that then it was like okay time management is what people like and like, what I okay. like and that's what I should so you stick found with. your niche so, so that's how I found my niche but okay. yeah it took a long time it was a long time no I like that you persevered because <laughs> you could have easily really like liked to write so that's yeah why I wanted so you to kept at it. it I think Steve Jobs has a quote it's um he, when he was rejected at like age 30, when he was publicly out from, um, I forget what company he was at, at the time, and he said, um, you know, he, he was like, you know, I could have given up and ran away, but he still loved what he did. So he continued on. And yeah. here, he, you know. Well, that's, <laughs> a, it, you know, it's, it's true. And here we are recording. Well, I love, I love to write and I do love the topic of time yeah. and how we spend it. And so um, this is, it's been good, but there, you know, it, it certainly was not obvious in any way. And, and in fact, even after writing my first time management book, it wasn't obvious that that was going to be my next one. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, these things, the stories only really make sense in retrospect. Okay. And one question I thought of last night as I was like sort of thinking about our um, interview or conversation today is, um, ex- you know, exposing yourself because I'm going through that right now with the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my first time, like every time I put up an episode, I'm like, my God, like it's out there. Like there's so many people like that are just listening to this. I don't know what they think. Um, so I think it takes, you know, um, a lot of bravery, what you do, especially, and we'll get to this. I mean, you've been on Good Morning America, the Today Show and whatnot. Um, so how did you get through? Did you feel any of that feelings in the very beginning? Like um, you knew certainly. these books were going to be out there. Well, people were going to be. To a degree, although, you know, you still never know if anyone's going to read them. So right, <laughs> right. if nobody's reading a book, then yeah. it's whatever, it's out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, live media can sometimes be nerve wracking, mm-hmm. um, especially if you are on television, there's just more 
focus on you in television than there is on radio. I think at this point, radio is whatever. I just, it's not, right. it, it doesn't feel like that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, public speaking at the beginning was a bit nerve wracking, but then I kind of realized, hey, I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And it, So when did you start that too? So, um, well, so as soon as I had written, you know, when I wrote Grind Happy, I wound up doing a lot of speaking at like mm-hmm. college campuses about okay. um, entrepreneurship and you have very small audiences. <laughs> that's you how you get, start that, That's yeah. how you start. You get used to it. And, and then um, after 168 Hours came out, I started getting uh, gigs, right, you know, speaking about time management. Um, but I would say it's really picked up in the last, like, four years. Okay. Um, there, by about 2014, I was starting to get a fair number of gigs uh, speaking about time management I had written a few pieces about even public speaking but then in the past two three years really is when Mm -hmm. it's it's become pretty much my full business your full business okay and then when was the first time you were on like national television so when I did um 168 hours we uh, I got to be on the today show for that I watched Um, some clips too people continuing your website interviewed by Natalie Morales so it was very (laughs) exciting um but, but the funny part of it is I was getting my sales figures, and I, I think it, you know, it may have sold a couple hundred extra copies like okay. because of that. I, you know, there's such a huge difference between you know, people will see you on TV, and then to take the each additional step, like you have to, like, go to your website, mm-hmm. or then to, like, buy right. your book. I mean, there's just this huge fall-off in, right. in each of this. So, um, you know, like I said, it's, it, it all builds on each other, but mm-hmm. you can't really depend on any one thing okay. being what establishes something forever. Um, and even people who get sort of amazing publicity, like there's, you know, cover of a magazine or something, you know, if, if it's not something that people care about, like there'll be sales that first week because people are curious, Okay. but then it kind of falls off completely. Okay. And so I've, I've been curious to watch some of the kind of flash in the pan books mm-hmm. that I've seen come out over the last few years. Like, oh yeah, well, you know, we'll see if they can pivot from that pivot. to anything else. Right, right, right. Um, so the public speaking, I'm interesting too. How do you, because obviously that's a topic that a lot of people are scared to do. Like whenever I have to do a presentation and a lot of my friends are getting married, so I've been having to do speeches like at the rehearsal dinner and weddings. Um, so what is, like, how do you practice for it? What's your routine? Well, practicing is key. Uh, I would say that's the first thing because you'd be surprised how many people feel like they can just get up with a couple notes and wing it. Right. Well, no. Um, I mean, maybe if you speak every day, you could get up and do it, but if you're not that kind of person, then you really should think it through and Mm -hmm. practice several times. And not just because it'll make it a better experience for the people listening to you, it'll make it more enjoyable for Mm -hmm. yourself. Right. And if you're relaxed about it, then Mm -hmm. everyone else can see that too. And it's just a much happier vibe in the room. Um, so that, that is, that is key. Um, do you practice in front of a mirror? I do. I have people, different schools of thought on that. Um, I like to see what I look like saying this Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I do not speak with notes or PowerPoint okay. um, anymore. I've completely given up PowerPoint. Uh, I mean, if somebody says you have to do it. So I, I did a TED Talk a year and a half ago, roughly, um, and they kind of require slides. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, but yeah. just minimally. Uh, and because it doesn't add anything. Okay. Like, and, you know, if it depends on the kind of speech. Like, obviously, if you were 
showing before and after renovation photos. Like, exactly, yeah. You can't right, <laughs> just right. talk about that. So really, there was a cream-colored sofa in the second. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that you need visuals. But a lot of stuff is done much better just through storytelling. And stories aren't right. that hard to remember. I mean, okay, that's how sure. our brain processes information anyway. Yeah, So sure. if you think of a speech of like, here's something I want to tell you about. Here's three points and here's a story that's interesting that illustrates each point and then yeah. you know this is my why I wanted to tell you this and maybe here's one thing to think about on your way out the door like okay. that's a great speech definitely yeah so what's been your biggest speaking engagement like opportunity that you've had well so I say Ted was definitely was huge, yeah. a huge um in, in just the sense that like you know what the, the volume of requests coming in after that really and sort of what I could charge for each speech yeah. went like so how, typically how different. many viewers does Ted get um it depends so you know they put a new speech up every weekday okay. um, during the year so you feel like 250 speeches a year um the thing with that there's like two or three main Ted's and I, I guess three I just at one of the main Ted's and so okay. those speakers almost always their videos go up okay so right there that's like 120 speeches right. and so there's only really 120 that come from the whole TEDx right so there's like hundreds of TEDx okay uh, conferences and so those are more accessible so if people are listening to this want to go give a TED talk like definitely go find a TEDx conference um it's just that your odds of getting it up on the main website are, are limited okay um, from got that. it but, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun experience. I practiced a lot. I knew I had 12 mm -hmm. minutes, I, so I could run through yeah. my 12-minute speech uh, 100 times. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I got up on stage, I could just give it. And it's kind of funny because there's a live audience. Like, you're actually speaking to mm -hmm. 600 people in the auditorium in front of you. But um, you also know that that is a tiny percentage of the people who will ultimately, ultimately. consume this speech. Right. Uh, and, and so... There are things they tell you, like, don't reference anyone else's speech. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is not a thing you would ever really not do mm -hmm. if you're in a normal conference. Mm -hmm. It'd be like somebody before you just gave, like, a weepy speech, like, everyone's right, right. moved by it. You can't, like, march in and start telling jokes. Yeah. But you have to in okay, this wow. because it's about the video. It's yeah. not about the, the live. Um you know, just little things like, which you probably learned from podcasting now, mm -hmm. which is that we can edit out anything. We can't put anything in that you didn't say. Exactly. So if you make a mistake, just stop. Go back to where you were from okay. where you remember where you were and go on from there. Right. Um, which is, again, not something you would ever do in a normal live event because right. you try to cover for it. But don't do that because yeah. it's about the video. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I always um, say to myself, over-prepare, then go with the flow. Yeah. Which yeah. hopefully helps, usually. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that was that was great when that went up. A lot of people um, saw it. It's been viewed about five and a half million times. That's so, so cool, Laura. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> um, so one question I had for you, too, is switching gears a little bit to family. Because obviously, you know, you write a lot about um, time management and families. But um, you were in New York and you made the move to Philadelphia. Yes. A lot of my listeners are from Philadelphia right now. which I So I think that's really interesting because... As you know, from Philadelphia, a lot of people are from here. Yeah. It's very, like, we all know one another. <laughs> that is true. And, um, but you and your husband were not from here, and you chose to I live to near your here. parents, apparently. Yes. <laughs> I know. We're down the street. We're neighbors with the parents. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a little strange. Uh, we, we chose this community for a couple of reasons. Um, years ago, I had been on a trip to Nicaragua. No, not Nicaragua, to Peru. Okay. Uh, like a package tour 
with a woman who turns out to be on the council here, like the town council in okay. this area. Oh, wow. And That's so, so she random. was talking about yeah. the region. I thought, yeah, it sounds interesting. My husband had actually worked um, out of the Philadelphia office and in the Philadelphia for his consulting firm for mm. um, many years. But, you know, we lived in New York because it didn't matter, like consulting, you just go into the office like mm. once every two weeks or so anyway. Um, but then when we learned that kid number three was on her way, okay. we decided that uh, New York was getting a bit cramped right. in our two-bedroom apartment. So we were either going to have to double down on that, get a bigger apartment. Um, our oldest kid was turning four, so he was going to be starting school. So we're mm-hmm. going to have to you know, either figure out how can we live in one of the sort of limited, really good public school districts in the city or else you know, go to the private school. Right. Um, so... We had been thinking about this area. We decided to come out and look, mm-hmm. um, and we found a house we really liked. Yeah. So we just decided to go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. And how many years ago was that? Six and a half years. Okay. It was in uh, mid-2011. Okay. So, so you we, like Philadelphia so yeah, far. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's a great town. It's, um, I mean, you know this from being yeah. around here, but it's it's a big city. So mm-hmm. if you into, you know, you want your sports teams, you want your museums, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've right. got that, yeah. your good restaurants. Um, but it's accessible in a way that uh, New York often isn't. I mean, in the sense that you can drive to that restaurant if right. you want, or you can um, have a good-sized house that's you know fifteen twenty minutes from downtown exactly. in a way that you just can't do with right. Manhattan. And then taking Amtrak to New York is the easiest thing. Oh, ever it's very too. easy. Uh, it's so like, I go into New York relatively frequently. So okay. does my husband. Um, yeah. And when either of us have work there. Right. Um, another woman I interviewed, um, Janie Winchester Paradise, she actually, um, similar, not a similar story, but she was in New York, not from here at all, but got recruited by Lily mm-hmm. to come work here. And now she, her whole life now is in Philadelphia for the yeah. past 10 years. She's raised her family. And so similar take, which I think is kind of, because you don't see that a lot, yeah. though, people coming here. Well, and, and I'm, it's, uh, it'll be good. My kids will have that. that yeah. They're from this place and a lot oh, of people right. stay Definitely, here, yeah. which is great if they want to stay here. We're still here yeah. or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, does, it was a little hard, I think, moving in because um, people have their friends and family from, right. you know, if you make your friends in fifth grade, yeah. <laughs> like you don't really need any more friends. Definitely. <laughs> so it's sometimes a little hard to tap into that, but it, like anything, it just takes time. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, and another question I wanted to ask about too is, um, I asked this to some of my guests, is that obviously you've work ethic because you know to write a book and everything else you have to have um, strong work ethic but are there any other qualities that you have that have um, helped make you successful um I think one of the things that's been best for me is I am a very practical person and Mm -hmm. I generally believe that good enough is good enough okay um so I don't have any sort of perfectionist streaks whatsoever um and, and so because I believe that done is better than perfect and I'm willing to just like get stuff out there, mm-hmm. it means I can do more. And then because when you put stuff out there, you get feedback mm-hmm. and, and then you can get better based on that in a right. way that you just can't if you're trying to perfect design it all on the whiteboard before you put it out in the world. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm. Uh, it, it translates into many things in, in life, um, maybe some less good than others. You know, I'm just willing to make do. On it. My, the clock in my car is wrong. Like somebody in the shop said it wrong and it's been wrong for months. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't bother me in a yeah. way that I think it would bother many other people. Right. Um, 
to the point where I'm actually like, I know it's an hour and 46 minutes ahead. Uh-huh. So I just subtract okay. an hour and 46 Got minutes. Like, yeah. Which some people would be like, you could probably just reset the reset clock it. for that same mental energy. Funny <laughs> enough, I haven't reset mine since daylight savings. No, well, still, that's like, only an hour. So that's yeah. even easier. Like, I, I got the hour and 46 minutes, which yeah. is slightly more annoying. Right. <laughs> my car and my microwave at home are so not right. Yeah. <laughs> my one girlfriend came over one time and she's like, just, you just change this. I was like, I know. I don't know. I'm I just leaving it. Yeah. But I don't care. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> enough. Yeah. So yeah. funny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the other book I wanted to mention too is Angel Duckworth's book. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Have you met her? I, I have, I? um, you know, I've briefly met her at a conference that we were both okay. speaking at. Was, she wouldn't remember me or anything, but, uh, yes, great work. Okay. So the book grit, I always uh-huh. sometimes bring up in the interview. So would love to know what, um, the word grit means to you. Cause you hear it thrown around, uh, a lot by people. And people have had, you know, different definitions of it. So yeah, I think being willing to stick with something and being willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really a big believer in the idea. There, there's this sort of famous quote from I would say Ovid or Ovid, however you say the Latin poet, but um, the dripping water hollows the stone. Okay. And then it turns out that people later added the phrase to it, you know, not by force but by persistence. Okay. Um, so in case you're, that's not the real quote. It's yeah. not the real quote. I, I spent a yeah. year like fact checking stuff right. for, and as another job. And I learned that any quote you see anywhere is probably made up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was thinking that with all the, um, we just went through Martin Luther King Jr. Day and I, there's many wonderful quotes that are attributed oh, to him are, that he yeah. probably did not. Probably did Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So good to check. Uh, but, um, so yeah, it, it's, about doing little things, mm-hmm. but just doing them over and over and over again and okay. just sticking with it. And I think a lot of people just don't stick with it. And right. it, partly it's that they may set themselves too high of goals in right. any given day. Um, and then when you don't hit it, you're discouraged and you don't keep going. Right. Whereas if you set yourself a very, very small goal, mm-hmm. you will probably hit it. Okay. And then you just keep going with that. You can achieve incredible things in the long run. By having very low standards for the short run. Okay. I like that. Yeah, persistence is huge too, I mm-hmm. think. Just like keep following through with it. Um, I get that a lot of cold calling in my business oh, too. Just keep following up. Yeah, no. I mean, if, if you call, you know, three people, you're getting nothing out of it. Yeah. But I mean, you call a hundred people. You're going to get something. <laughs> yeah. you get something. So. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, oh, one question I want to ask you too, because it's so funny. My sister Patrice, the one lives in New York with four kids, is very interested in hearing what our next topic conversation about your books and time management but she's always like ask her if she like you know has met any famous people because some people <laughs> I've um I've interviewed in the past she's like why didn't you like ask them that if they like have you know have met famous people like I interviewed this um uh book publisher actually she did like coffee table books she's worked mm-hmm. with a lot of people and I didn't really ask in an interview and afterwards she's like you should ask that uh-huh. so I want to know if you've met anyone along the way at Good Morning America or uh, well, I mean I, the, the anchors who've interviewed me um, yeah you know that's I guess they're they're famous people okay it's um and turned to be famous for other reasons. Oh, right. I'm okay. back to my interview with Matt Lauer. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> learn new things about people later yeah. on in their lives. Um, but, you know, I it's kind of more interesting when I've been on the other side of, okay. of the table because um, I had I did spend years as a journalist. And so right. as part of that, I would interview a people. ton of people. Um, for a while, um, when I was writing for Reader's Digest, I they did all these like celebrity roundups and so okay. I'd be ca- talking to people like um Will Ferrell, BB oh, wow. King, uh, 
yeah. No, so those those were fun, but more yeah. from the perspective of like, guess who I just talked to? Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I started. Uh, I sing in a choir now too. But um, when I was in New York, um, I had just started a choir on the same day. I was doing like all oh, the celebrity roundup oh, interviews, wow. and so you know, I'm introducing myself to the choir. I'm like, what's one interesting thing that happened to you today? I'm like, hi, I'm Laura, uh, and I interviewed Will Ferrell today. And people are like, whoa! Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Was he nice? <laughs> so I was like, person? I don't know that I get to do that the rest of my life, but uh, you know, yeah, he's funny. I'm sure. he's, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and yeah, so I guess we can switch on to the books, which I'm sure. excited. As I told you before we started, I um, uh, in an interview, I did What Successful People um, Do Before Breakfast. Mm-hmm. I listened to that on audio, so if anyone's interested, it was really easy. I, I think I have a long commute, so I did like an hour out, an hour back, but it was awesome. And I've oh, always been... Um, it's me narrating that one, by the way. Too. Oh, that is you? That okay. is you. So it's... <laughs> can I tell you something really yeah. hilarious about this? <laughs> So I've done most of my own audiobooks. Um, so okay. I did What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast. I did I Know How She Does It. I did not do 168 Hours. Oh, that's and not you, recent, okay. That's not me. That's an okay. actress. And I recently got a note from somebody being like, you know, I loved your voice in 168 Hours, and the others were just not as good. Oh, my and gosh. Like, that that's really so funny. funny. Like, <laughs> just figure out how to answer yeah, that Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, good. I oh, that's don't hilarious. take myself too seriously, I think. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Um, but anyways, like you said, that book kind of like kickstarted stuff for you mm-hmm. and it was really good. And I took a lot away from it. I've always been a um, morning person. So I've always worked out, um, gotten up super early and gotten everything done in the morning. But what I learned from there is that people also use it to do other things as well between that, like five and seven or five. Yeah. And eight. Um, so, you know, what, so what I took away was that, is that, you know, other things can get done. So I kind of did that this week and I figured out like, oh, wow, I can do like a lot of things for the podcast, like super, mm-hmm. super early. That's not going to get in the way with my actual job. Um, so what did you like learn from that book too? What well, did so as I interviewed various people about their schedules over the years, I'd noticed that many times people who had sort of demanding jobs that required mm-hmm. in the office presence and, but who are also doing really cool things in their personal lives we're often using those early morning hours um, as a way to get those important personal things done Mm -hmm. uh, before the rest of the world wanted a piece of them. So if you, you know, found somebody who was exercising multiple times per week or Mm -hmm. who was actually writing that novel that, you know, they said they'd always wanted to do, it was often that they were doing it first thing in the morning. And so I, um, was writing a post for, uh, I was writing for places at CBS Money Watch. I don't watch, write for them anymore, but uh, years ago I was doing a pretty regular column for them. And so I wrote this post and I was going to call it Use Your Mornings or something like okay. that. And then at the mo- at the last thing I changed it to What the Most Successful People Do okay. Before Breakfast, which turned out to be a total clickbait headline. <laughs> <laughs> like at one point, some gigantic percentage of the traffic coming into CBS Money Watch was coming into that wow. article. That's cool. Um, and, and you know, it's it worked its magic later too. I did a post for Fast Company with that same title, and it, it was one of their top stories of the year. Okay. You know, it's just like there's something about that right uh, title that is very appealing to people. And but morning routines are themselves very appealing mm-hmm. to people. Um, and and I think you know. Most people, morning is a great time for doing this. There are some people who are true larks, like they get up Mm. and they can do all kinds of things in the morning on their own. Um, But for most people, it's not necessarily that you have to wake up at five or anything like that or four or whatever. Yeah. It's just that you get up a little bit before you absolutely have to. Have to, okay. And you use that time 
for something that is important to you. So if you're, you know, a student and, you know, everyone else is like dragging themselves out of bed at 10 a.m. to get mm -hmm. to, you know, 1030 classes, like if your first class is at 1030, but you get up at eight, you could study for two hours, two hours and yeah. then, you know, have that time free later in the day to do other things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, it, you know, it's, it's really not about waking up at the crack of dawn. It's just okay. about using that time that's available in the morning in the before morning. the rest of your day starts. Yeah. Um, and what do people use it for, what you saw the most? So exercise is a big okay. one, um, just because it's, it's convenient. Like you mm -hmm. only have to shower once, yeah. <laughs> you know, it gets it done. You're not debating with yourself the rest of the, the day. Rest of the day yeah. do it. Okay. Um, but creative work can often be good in the mm -hmm. morning too. I mean, people tell themselves like, oh yeah, I'm going to write that novel at night all the time I have left over right. and like newsflash, there's not going to be time yeah, left yeah. over. If there is, you're not going to have any energy to do anything but watch TV or surf the web. Okay. Um, so, you know, better to try doing it in, in the morning. In the morning, yeah. And um, then you might be able to make progress. You know, people use it for, like, spiritual pursuits. There's lots of people mm -hmm. who have, like, a meditation practice or a prayer practice or devotional practice in right. the morning. Um, it could be family time. Okay. Uh, especially people who have, any of your listeners, have young kids who might go to bed really early. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes work schedules sort of preclude seeing them much in the evening. Right. You're kind of racing home just to, you know, get dinner and put them to bed. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a whole lot of quality time. But, uh, you know, young kids often wake up very early. Mm -hmm. So you can use those morning hours to play with them if that's time you don't have in the evening. Right. And um, I think I read in your book that um, research has shown that people are the sharpest then too. Most people are. Um, okay. so most people follow a sort of, uh, curve that they're at their sharpest in, you know, an hour or two after w an hour or so after waking, then it kind of goes down through the day, like with a big dip in mid afternoon, okay. um, kind of rises a little bit after that in terms of their energy levels, but then goes back down again. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, what it means is that, um, you know, if there are things that require discipline and focus and a lot of mental energy, most people are best off doing those in the morning. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are dedicated night owls, mm -hmm. um, and for them it is hard to do stuff in the mm -hmm. morning. Um, and that's okay. Like, if you are actually writing the great American novel at night, right. more power to you. Yeah, I'm not yeah. telling you you got to switch. Right. The issue is that um, the world is set up to reward morning okay. people. Um, so just because you're a night owl doesn't get out doesn't get you out of your boss calling a meeting at 8 a.m. that you right. have to be there for. Right, right. Um, and, and so you kind of have to work around that. And, and so it makes it a lot harder. To, okay. I've tested it out a little bit this week, like I said, too, is that um, I've always done, like, the workouts Monday through Friday right in the morning. And um, doing this podcast on the side has taken a lot of time, but I don't want it to affect my actual job. So I took two days this week where I worked from, like, I guess it was probably, like, not even that, or like 7 to 8.30, mm -hmm. where I just did the podcast. No one was in the office yet, and I just did the podcast. I was like, whoa, I got so much done, and like interviews lined up. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. So if anyone's out there that's maybe like trying to start a, in a side business or um, needs to get, you know, a lot done for a specific project at work, I would highly recommend yeah. it. It's a great time for us. Yeah, side hustle kind of thing. Because, yeah. uh, again, you, you're focused. You have the energy. Right. Um, whereas later in the day, you won't. So it's really about paying yourself first. I mean, the same thing people talk about with money. Like, if yeah. you... Wait until the end of the month to see, you know, what is left over to save. Like, shockingly, right, right. <laughs> there's not as much left over. Yeah. But if you pay yourself first, like, somehow you'll get through and then you're building up savings. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the next book, which I'm in the middle of, which is the one you're not reading, the, the audio on the 160 yeah, hours. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm loving that, too. And I love how um, you look at it as 160 hours and not 24 hours a day. Yeah. And which one, funny, my one sister, Tara, who um, is working full-time with three little kids, like um, – 
five, four, and three. Um, she was saying yesterday, she, you know, I just can't get anything, anything done in 24 hours. It's like, it's, it's, it's so hard. And I was about to be like, you need to look at it. <laughs> look at it a week. <laughs> but it wasn't like the right time, but I'm excited for her to hear this. But, um, yeah, well, people and, always say there is And not- also for Tara too, is that she also is a very good planner. So yeah. I don't want her to think I'm taking like a dig at her at all. She's the best planner right now. Like yeah. She must be. Yeah. Um, yeah, people always tell me, well, there are not enough hours in the day to get to everything I want to get mm-hmm. to. And I totally agree. There are yeah. not enough hours in the day to get right. to everything. But we don't live our lives in days. We live our lives in, in weeks. weeks. Okay. And by looking at the whole of the week, you see just how much time you have. Mm-hmm. Um, some of this is just math. Like, you know, 168 hours in a week. If you work 40 hours, mm-hmm. you sleep 8 hours a night. So that's 56 hours per week. Okay. That leaves 72 hours for other things. Mm-hmm. And yet, how many people who have a full-time job are like, I have no time for anything everybody. else. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> it's like, yeah. can't you see I'm working full-time? Yeah, I have yeah. no time for what you know it's like well except for those 72 hours right. so, which is some quantity of time and, you know you work more than that you work 50 hours or you got 62 hours for other things you work yeah. 60 hours you got 52 hours for other things like there's still time right um so I think having that mindset helps people see that the time is there mm-hmm. you just have to figure out where it is as okay. opposed to um telling yourself it doesn't exist but it's also about saying that things don't have to happen at the same time every day and they don't have to happen daily mm-hmm. in order to count in your life. Um, and I think that, you know, I love daily habits and I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of daily habits. Although, curiously enough, when people tell me about their daily habits, I find that they often mean Monday through Thursday. Okay. But that is not daily. Right, <laughs> right, that is, right. That is four times a week. Yeah, <laughs> and so, exactly. So if you think with a lot of stuff, if you can do it four times a week, like, mm-hmm. you're good. Okay. So, you know, somebody's like, I don't have time to exercise. Okay, well, maybe like one day a week you get up a little bit early, do something. Right. Like another day, go for a brisk walk at lunch, do something both weekend days, and like, hey, you're exercising four times a week, which right. is exactly the same as somebody who claims to be doing daily but is only doing it Monday through Thursday. Okay, so, you know, got it. If you can do it four times a week, you're doing it most days. That's great. Um, you know, especially people who have children and they're worried like oh I worked late I didn't get mm-hmm. to put my kid to bed I'm a horrible terrible parent it's like okay well you work late tonight right but there are seven days seven in days. a week so like yeah. you're home the other six so yeah six is greater than one so instead right, of like right. beating yourself up about the one perhaps we could note the other six yeah uh, and definitely. keep that perspective for sure. And um, the time tracking journal, which I downloaded from your website, oh, I'm, yes. I'm trying out this week like I was telling you, and it's been really helpful to look at, you know, and of course, I don't have kids or anything. I'm not dating one, so I feel like I'm not really good into case study because I have a lot of time, but um, it was really helpful for me, especially with this podcast on the side, to figure out like what I'm doing with all my hours mm-hmm. and um, to figure out, you know, um, what I want to be doing more of. And like I told you, I've discovered that I actually do have time like at night eight to 10 where I could be socializing more friends mm-hmm. and um, doing more networking events or something like that. So it's been super helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely recommend that anyone who wants to spend their time better mm-hmm. try tracking their time and yeah. figuring out where the time is going now because – you know, oftentimes people think they know what the issue is, and it's it's not the issue. Right, right, <laughs> and right. So right. You know, I can't tell you how many people are like, my issue is that I work too many hours. Yeah. And then they track it, and they find that, you know, maybe they work more than 40, but it's not a lot more than 40. And right. so, you know, if they're working 50 hours, sure, that's a long week, but yeah. it's not all the week. So right, right. let's go from there. And, you know, or maybe they think that they have no free time whatsoever, and mm-hmm. then they track their time and they realize they do have free time. It's just that it's all spent on things they don't actually care about. Right, <laughs> And so exactly. that would be better to kind of rethink some of this leisure time and mm-hmm. substitute maybe a few higher value activities. Yeah. Oh, talking about that too, what would you say to sort of um, cut back on, like little things throughout the day, like 
TV and yeah. other things like well, that. Well, TV is a big one. Um, you know, if you look at time studies of how Americans in general spend their time, TV consumes huge quantities of right. time. Um, and what was the statistic you had in the book? It was something, it was something I, crazy. Well, you know, it's like 20 to 30 hours a week, yeah. which is just a ton. I mean, people watch an incredible amount of television, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with watching TV. TV is great. TV is fun. There's a lot of amazing mm-hmm. shows out there, but I right. think it's good to watch it mindfully mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just watching whatever is on. Exactly. I mean, what happens is people turn it on after dinner because they're kind of bored. Right. And then it stays on all evening, and that's yeah. like three hours that could have been other things. Other things, yeah. Not, not you know, I'm not saying productive things. I'm doing my air quotes here for people right. listening, but yeah. uh, you know, I'm not saying you have to write a novel or you have to yeah. um, work or anything like that. But I mean, it might just behoove you to say like, oh, well, if I keep talking about how I have no time for my, I don't know, woodworking hobby or something. Mm-hmm. Well, if because I have the TV on for three hours, I could have done a lot of woodworking in that time. Right. So, exactly. ma- you know, maybe two evenings a week you do the woodworking instead okay. of the TV and all of a sudden you've got like five hours devoted to your hobby that yeah. you didn't have. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I like that. And then um, the other thing I would love for you to talk about is um, using bits of free time. Like a lot of people are like, I never have time to, you know, read or anything. Yeah. But I read that you can use those small, like, you know, 10 or 30 minutes, sometimes pop up, you're ready for a meeting or a call mm-hmm. to, to do the reading yeah. or other things like well, that. Well, 30 minutes is like a huge, huge chunk, chunk of time. Yeah. If you have 30 <laughs> minutes, like you, you have all the time in the world. Uh, but even those 10 minute chunks, those five yeah. minute chunks can be used for reading. Um, one thing that's really helped me with that, I put the um, Kindle app on my phone. Okay. Because if your listeners are like me, you always have your phone with you, right? right. And so and you'll get tempted to check Facebook, and you're tempted to check Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Look at your email. Yeah, you could do that in those five minute time periods of time, or you could read a book. Right. <laughs> so, um, a lot of books don't actually take that much time to read. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about a book taking four hours to read, if you're the kind of person who reads like you know half an hour at night before bed, uh, you know you get like sometime there but if you are managing to find like 15 minutes during the day I mean you could get through that book in what like five days right just doing that so exactly um you know it's it does add up and it's worth doing something that's more enlightening than just looking at you know photos on photos Facebook, Facebook. yeah people. or sending a text to a friend or like yeah, you can send a text note. to a friend or you can meditate or you can take some deep breaths you can um, you know, plan your weekend, mm-hmm. uh, think yeah. through what sort of leisure activities you'd like to do. You know, there are lots of things you can do. And then another productivity tip you gave, um, was split shifts, especially for like working moms too, yeah. or anyone working, but um, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. So too. if, if you need to work long hours and there's also things you want to do in your personal life, um, whether that be hang out with your young kids who go to bed early, or maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's hanging out with friends, it's exercising, it's, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. Um, you can keep working till all the work is done and then like come home too late to do anything but watch TV and then you can, you know, feel sad about that. (laughs) But another option, if you have some flexibility in your job is Mm -hmm. that you can leave work at a reasonable hour, even if all the work is not done. Okay. Um, go home and do whatever it is you want to do in your personal life, hang out with your family, hang out with your friends, and then Mm -hmm. do some of the kind of lower energy tasks later in the night. So a lot of parents wind up doing work after their kids go to bed. Okay. Um, especially young kids. Like if, you know, your kids go to bed, let's say at 8 p.m. and you go to bed at 10.30, you could work for an hour, 8 to 9, and then Mm -hmm. still have an hour and a half of leisure time. But that would be, you know, do that four nights a week. That's four extra hours you could work 
you know, maybe four hours you can leave earlier mm-hmm. during the week. I and mean, that might be the difference between leaving the office at 5 p.m. versus 6 p.m. If you leave at right. 6, you're not going to have a whole lot of time with your family. Yes, yeah. If you leave at 5, you're, you are. Right. And, and so it's just building in that extra time. Yeah. Um, and I'm going through your productivity tips because I want to make sure I hit everything. But um, we've kind of talked about this, but first things first. And I think you said time is elastic. It will stretch to accommodate what you choose to put in it. Mm-hmm. So what does that really mean? Do you mean doing like the hard things first or Yeah. I mean, so first? I, the first things first phrase comes from um, Stephen Covey's uh, book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, I just bought that. Uh, that's another great. You the, should um, read that. Um, uh, I interviewed this um, Dr. Burke. She was a great one. Yeah. And she said... No, she's ha- she has a book on her nightstand that she literally goes back to that yeah. book all the time. Well, it's funny. I mean, you might be get one of the more updated v- versions of it because um, it's come out with multiple editions mm-hmm. over the years. But the first one came out in 1990. Um, he talks about how people spend a lot of time on things that are urgent but not important. Right. Um, which, 1990, no one had email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they ponder, what were we doing? What were we doing? Yeah, <laughs> That was urgent funny. but not important. I don't yeah. actually know. I don't know either. I, it blows my mind. I don't know. I, I think he lists things in there of things. Really? That are, so, but I have to remember what they were. I mean, it was like playing around with the actual mail pile or wow. something. Wow. You know? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but the, the advice is still, is still very good. But first yeah. thing, when we choose to do the things that are important to us, Time will expand to accommodate those things. Okay. And and so, um, you know, people will say like, oh, I'll get to this important stuff once I've finished all my email. Well, guess what? Your email is never going to be done. Right. right? You, right. Email will expand to fill all available space. So yeah. if you say like, oh, I'm going to finish my email and then I'm going to write this white paper that I want to write to, you know, establish myself as a thought leader in my field. Okay. okay. You're never going to be done with the email. You'll right. never get to the white paper. Yeah. So do the white paper first mm-hmm. and then, oh my goodness, you're still on your email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and you're still answering the stuff that probably really needs to get answered. Right. Um, maybe a little bit less carefully than you would have otherwise, but okay. you know, so what? Um, and, and so it's not that you had any more time and it's not that you got, you know, you were, had some great email hack that saved you multiple yeah. hours on or anything. It's just that because you had less time, you spent less time on the things that didn't matter as right. much. So. Okay. And I tried that this week too with work. So um, one thing commercial real estate means to cold call out, mm-hmm. which can be really brutal because obviously you're getting, you know, rejected. People don't want to talk to you, but it can also lead you to, you know, it leads us to business. So it's yeah. very important. Um, so I always try to make time in the past you know, I've been taking me like seven years to get here, but in the past I would always like kind of push it off yeah. at the end of the day. And a lot of times I wouldn't do it because I'm like, oh shoot, like an email will come up, someone will call. And so this week I've tried to do it um, right when I get to the office. I, I shut my door, which probably annoys people because because it looks like I'm kind of being rude, but whatever. So, um, and I did it for an hour mm-hmm. and got it out of the way. And I was like, wow. And then of course the emails like rolling and everything. And it was super helpful to get yeah. that off my mind and my plate. So yeah, yeah, do do it first things first. first and and then everything else will, will fit in the remaining time. Yeah. Uh, another thing um, I want to talk about is um, outsourcing. Mm. Is that the right word? Yes. Okay. Because um, so what are some things that you found when you've studied people's um, time charts of different things that they can outsource? Yeah. I mean, it's it's always good to ask yourself, like, do I have to, like, first, does this actually need to be done? Mm-hmm. But second, if it does, do I have to do it? And there's many things that you don't actually personally have to do. Okay. Uh, if you think about it, everyone outsources. I mean, you know. You send a letter. You're not driving it to Wisconsin yourself. Right? Okay, like, right, so right. You outsource that to the post yeah. office. You're not churning your own butter. Like you're mm-hmm. like not sewing your own clothes for the most part. So yeah. all this stuff is outsourced. So it's really just a matter of degree. Okay. And um, some people choose to do other things to outsource in order to save themselves time. Be mm-hmm. that um, 
you know, getting groceries delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, we order a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime just because it right. saves us time going okay. to the stores. Um, it could be outsourcing like house cleaning or lawn mm-hmm. care. Um, laundry, which I laundry. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's just many things that could be outsourced. Mm-hmm. Um, work too. I mean, yeah. and, you know, if you think about like. Maybe there are routine tasks that you can come up with a way to automate them or okay. to give them to somebody who, you know, it's like we're the podcast, so we, we don't produce our own podcast, right? right? Yeah. And we've uh, outsourced that to somebody else because it's, exactly. it's, you know, it's not rocket science. You could clearly learn, learn to it. do it, but it might not be worth the time when it's just a little bit of money. To yeah, do. exactly. And then um, one plug, actually, um, one of my friends, Megan Nolan, you might actually interested in the service she just started it's called gift gal mainline mm-hmm. for obviously philadelphia people living on like the main uh, the suburbs but she um will buy gifts wherever you need to you know have gifts so for during christmas time i have a lot of nieces and nephews like 14 so i'm the godmother of three yeah and then i had you know other gifts not nearly as much as the moms that are listening but um and she did all my gifts for me yeah and it was amazing she wrapped them and there's an additional fee with it but i was like wow like it opened up so much time so yeah anyone's interested in using her I'll give definitely, her a tag in there yeah gift gal me line yeah yeah cool. um so did we cover everything in that book that we I want to so. think so I think we mostly got it <laughs> okay yeah okay so for the book I know how um she does it that's your most recent mm-hmm. one so what did you find in that study so I did a study of 1001 days in the okay. lives of women who had professional jobs and also had kids at home okay and I had them keep track of their time so I could look at how they actually spent their time and mm-hmm. see, you know, how many hours people worked and how many hours people slept and, okay. um, you know, how they worked those hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the split shift we were talking about, I found that that was very common okay. uh, among working parents. Um, you know, these women all had very big jobs, but they, they worked more than 40 hours, but they didn't work a lot more than 40 hours. They worked for okay. about 44 hours a week. So that was, that was good to see. I mean, I think people think that these big jobs will require round-the-clock work, and that's generally not the case. Right. Um, it's just a little bit more than average. Okay. Um, so there's pretty high returns to doing a little bit more work than average. Yeah. Um, they were sleeping reasonable amounts. There's a story out there that if you have a job and kids, you'll never sleep. Um, okay. And that is not true. Okay. It is the statistics do not bear that out at all. Um, and in my study, the the average woman was sleeping fifty four hours a week, which, if you do the math, is just a tiny bit under eight hours a day. Okay, interesting. And you're a case study too. I, I forgot to talk about you too. You have four kids. I do How old four are they? Kids. They are ten, eight, six, and three. Okay. So that's a lot. <laughs> a lot of children, yes. <laughs> to multiply around. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your little, like, hacks and tricks about... Oh, hacks and tricks. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, kid hacks. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, there's little things of, like, um, you know, the shoes have to be in one place. Like, okay. they don't have to be lined up in a Pinterest-worthy sort of right. mudroom look, but they do all have to be in the mudroom. They okay. go nowhere else because then we'll never get on the bus in the mm-hmm. morning. So shoes and coats and backpacks are all in the same place every okay. day. Um, but, you know, it's honestly just about believing that, you know, good enough is good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing is ever perfect, um, but we do our best, and the kids... Um, know that we're spending time with them. We're okay. doing fun stuff together, and uh, you know, life will be good. Yeah, I like that, and um, I like how you called it um, when people are doing time charts, which I highly recommend people try to do. Um, you called it almost like a mosaic yeah. of your life, putting together like different time slots. Well, partly that's because you design a life that works for you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to look like everyone else. But you can sort of move 
blocks of time around. Like okay. things don't have to happen the, at the normal time. Right. And so one of the, that split shift idea is something that mm-hmm. really struck out for me because I, you know, read over and over again, like, oh, women won't do big jobs because it means they'll never see their kids. Okay. It's like, well, okay, I guess in theory, working 60 hours a week means you're working eight to eight. So if your kids go to bed at eight, you wouldn't see them. But mm-hmm. A, there's a lot of time before 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so right. there's time there. There's also two weekend days. Right. Uh, if that's the case. But also that's not how women work. 60 hours a week. They do that split shift, right? So they'd be home actually from five to eight and then working, you know, eight to 11, night or two, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, so they see them because they want to. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, they move time around to make things fit. To make them fit. Yeah. And my two sisters actually do the same thing. Um, Tara and Patrice both work full time and they'll go home, try it at normal hours and then, you know, do the whole kids, put them to bed and then get back on the computer for like an hour or so. Um, later in the night. Yeah. Yeah, which isn't too bad. Yeah, it's, and, and people say, oh, you wouldn't have time to relax, but people don't do it ever. Like, nobody does that seven nights exactly. a week. Like, nobody yeah. even does that five. I mean, it's yeah. really something, you know, somebody does two to four times a week and just to get some extra hours and, um, you know, that buys them more reasonable life. Yeah, I like that. And the other thing I've noticed too from reading your book and from my own self doing my time chart is that once you look at your whole week, you become almost more grateful. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, like there are a lot of good, positive things yeah. happening. It can become so easy to tell ourselves a story that everything is horrible, terrible, mm-hmm. stressful, whatever. Yeah. Um, and partly that's because negative things stand out in the mind more than positive ones. Mm-hmm. So when there's, um, you know, a couple negative things that happen to you, you could be like, oh, look, my life is terrible. But, you know, if you force yourself to look at the whole week, you say, well, actually, there's a lot of pretty good stuff going yeah. on, too. So I can choose whatever story I want to tell myself. I can choose to say, oh, you know, I had to work really late on Tuesday. Or you can be like, oh, well, look at me. I made it to the gym on Wednesday and got mm-hmm. home at a reasonable time. Um, you can be like, oh, you know, I have um, often feel stressed and harried and pulled in multiple directions or you're like oh look you know I got you know two hours to read on Saturday with something I enjoyed reading so you can choose which evidence you wish wish to focus on right no I like that oh the one other thing I meant to talk about before is um planning weekends yeah to make sure to have (laughs) anchor events and um even like I'm in the you know you know my weekends are very social because I'm still going out learning and everything but the weekends where my friends and I do have like a brunch planned or um People are going to be laughing because they're like, Steph Hayden is just like, her life is fun or whatever. But um, <laughs> That's right. You should have a fun life. There's nothing wrong with um, that. But, but when I do have anchored events, even uh-huh. if like I plan to run like a 5K and then mm-hmm. get brunch, like it's always better than going to a weekend where I'm sort of like, I'm not sure I'm what's not sure going what I'm on. I'm Because then it's like half, yeah. the week, half the day is gone before you even get around to exactly. thinking like what you want to do. And then you haven't done anything. And you yeah. know, when you are working hard all week, there's only a limited amount of leisure time and most of it occurs mm-hmm. on the weekend. So you yeah. want to actually use it as opposed to just kind of like puttering around the house, figuring out what you're going to do. Exactly. Of, um, do I feel like doing this? Do I not? And, and when you plan stuff ahead of time, you also can look forward to it. Right. And you'd be like, oh, I've got that brunch with my friends. I'm mm-hmm. really, you know, I'm excited about it. Like, exactly. Like you feel like, ooh, this cool thing is coming up or, you know, I've got that 5K and the weather will be great. I'm looking forward to running it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just putting a few anchor events in and, you know, there's some people who don't like to plan. Um, mm-hmm. And I get this all the time people are like oh I plan my whole week because I don't want to plan my weekends right you know, so I'm not saying every single minute yeah I'm not saying you know every 15 minutes know what you're going to do all weekend just I'm a just couple saying, anchor just events just a couple anchor events yeah like, to, to make the weekend feel like it was good mm-hmm. so when you hit Monday you feel like you did cool stuff like you're right. the kind of person who does cool stuff. cool stuff I like that a lot my friends I have a big anchor event coming up we're Ooh. all going to St. John for our oh, 30th fun. yeah Yay. for the weekends oh, that but that was like planning though yeah. we had to like really of look course. into it and yeah. everything else and it um, was sort of tedious but now we're so excited so, we get yeah. to go in two weeks and it'll be great. great it'll be great it'll be wonderful yeah. um, but how are we doing with time too 
think we have some time maybe for a um, quick rapid fire. Okay, rapid fire, let's do it. Okay, cool. Um, so when you think of the word success, who do you think of? And it can be more than one person. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's tons of people. Um, you know, the, the big names come to mind. Yeah. Some like you know, Oprah or whatever. But uh, I think you know, people are successful when they're living the lives that they want to live. Like mm. they're happy with it and feel that um, they are happy with how they spend their hours. Right. I like that. Um, and then what advice would you give to your 30-year-old self? I'm 30 mm. right now. <laughs> uh, so it's funny, you know, because we talked earlier, like it took, it took a long time to sort of get the expertise of time management going. Mm. And in fact, when I, I signed the contract for what became 168 hours shortly after turning 30. I got that offer oh, wow. shortly after okay. turning So when I turned 30, I did not have it. Wow. Um, and so just sort of say that over the next you know, few years, you will figure this out and you will be doing what you want. It just mm -hmm. takes time. It just uh, takes time, yeah. I'm happy you said that because a lot of my friends right now are still trying to figure it out too, mm -hmm. like what they really want to do and what they like to do, um, and that it does come, which is which I like. Yeah, that. no, you just keep putting one foot forward, and you know we do have time is very precious, of course, but I think time is also plentiful too, and if you just keep going with stuff, mm -hmm. it does build over time. Definitely. Um, and then, if you could give one book to every person besides your own, and besides books, my own book, <laughs> what would it be? Um, well, you know, I do like uh, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Although I also think, you know. I um, am annoyed by bad writing, <laughs> so okay. I'd probably give somebody people stuff like a, the Elements of Style by uh, Strunk and White. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a great book that's somewhat on grammar and somewhat on um, writing better with okay. tips like omit needless words. <laughs> right, right. So much writing would be better if people omitted needless words. Okay, interesting. Um, and then any last departing words for the listeners? Where can they find your blog? And then your next book I know is coming yeah. out soon. So I, I blog most days at my website, which is lauravandercam.com. Just my name, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Vandercam, V-A-N-D-E-R-K-A-M, as in Mary. Um, I, you know, books available wherever books are. But uh, please listen to my podcast, which is Best of Both Worlds. And uh, my next book is coming out in May. It's called Off the Clock. Uh, feel less busy while getting more done. And it's about mm -hmm. how people feel about their time and what are the differences between people who feel like relaxed and feel like time is abundant versus people who feel stressed and harried about time. Oh, good. And the people interested in the time tracking, they can, they can get it right off yeah, your website, Yeah, you can get it right? off my website. Um, there's okay. a subscription form. I'll send you the time logs um, and you can start tracking. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Laura. That Thank you really for fun. having me. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for listening to High Five Success Stories. I hope you enjoyed. If you're interested in more success stories, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes or my website at www.stephhayden.com. Thanks again and have a great day.